okay, so I'm coming at you from editing. And I just wanted to add a disclaimer that there's a lot of like awkward pauses and me losing my train of thought. And I wanted to let you know that the reason I sound so crazy or the reason it sounds like I lost my freaking mind during this episode is because my dogs were not behaving and they were driving me crazy and they needed to be disciplined a few times. So there's that. Thanks. Um, okay, hi. Yeah, I'm here. So thanks. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so distracted because both my dogs are sitting down here and they're just staring at me and I don't know what they want. And I've tried so hard, but the show must go on. So I'm here once again. And before I get into the main topic, I'm gonna do like another couple of like mini opinions about some stuff that I've watched um like the past couple weeks honestly and just I'm not doing a full episode on so first I've been getting more into I mean I've always been into documentaries but I've been watching more of them more recently so I watched Audrey and Daisy on Netflix which is very upsetting I went into it literally with the um I went into watching Audrey and Daisy with the intention of doing a full episode on that because I was like you know what why not do I swear to god I'm gonna kill this dog no I'm not I love her anyway I thought like you know why not dabble in documentaries um and then I started watching it and I was like I it's so frustrating I hate all of it no I don't I the whole thing just sucks so much. It's a shitty subject. The people involved are always treated, the survivors are always treated terribly for something that they didn't even want. I mean, seriously, why are, it's so frustrating. Like I can barely even come up with the word. So in what world did I think I was going to be able to do a full episode talking about it? Because yeah, the more I started watching it, the Like, the farther I got into it, I just wanted to complain for hours. And I didn't think that that would be, like, super productive or interesting for anyone to listen to. So, I decided not to do that. But it is, like, well-made. And if anyone that listens to this disagrees with my personal stance that you should always believe survivors um go watch this documentary and then explain yourself because I just don't get it and I never will anyway I just got my nails done today and I turn into the worst person when I have fresh nails because I'm so annoying like those um fucking hell the the Instagram posts that circulated a while back where they say like, oh, if your girl's nails look like this, then she's probably crazy. Or if they look like this, then she's probably really cool. I I turn into like the crazy one because I just feel like so powerful. And I talk with my hands a lot. And I do like the little like chicken hand. I act like a girl who just got engaged because I just want to show them off 
And so I'm legitimately getting distracted by my own nails. I mean, I wish I were different, but here we are. So next, I also watched a documentary called Tell Me Who I Am. And it's about these two twin brothers. The one gets into like a really bad um, accident and loses all of his memory. So he gets into this accident when he's 18, I think. And so his whole 18 years are gone. He remembers absolutely nothing except for the fact that he has a twin brother. And it starts off so interesting. The first half is like, I could not turn away. Like I needed to find out what was going to happen. And then the second half is just drug out so long. Like it really did not need to be as long as it was. So that was kind of a disappointment. But I mean, no one's perfect. So then I also watched The Act with Joey King and Patricia Arquette on Hulu. That is honestly a 10 out of 10. And I would highly recommend. It's so fascinating. I remember when this happened in real life. And obviously, like, God, when was that? Five years ago? As I've grown across the past five years, I've come to learn more about the actual story. And it's very interesting. And in all honesty, Joey King is kind of like everything nowadays. She is in like seven different projects that are all like coming out at the same time. So very proud of her. She honestly deserves all recognition. Her, (laughs) I've seen her in a lot of stuff, like starting from when she was younger, like never forget her role in New Girl. Like that's a staple, but watching her in The Kissing Booth versus watching her in The Act are two completely different humans and skill sets. And I mean, like, the kissing booth itself kind of sets it up to be like, is anybody really trying, you know? But I'm glad that she also has more serious projects so that she can show off her range. And girl, get yours. I I rewatched the kissing booth recently um, because my mom hadn't seen it. And so I we watched it together. And it's just, it's not great. I mean, like, I have so many feelings about it because is it worth watching? Sure. Is it so completely ridiculous? Yes. Do I have a hundred opinions? Absolutely. Does anyone want to hear them? I don't think so, because I'm really just going to start it off right here. Noah Flynn needed to be recast. I have nothing specific against that actor, but it just, it didn't work. It didn't work then. It does not work for me now. The first time I watched it, I didn't like him in that role. The most recent time I watched it, I didn't like it. He, like, they obviously, like... In real life, he's, like, an attractive guy. That's the whole point. But for them to, like, make the whole, 
like the whole story is set around him being like the hottest guy in school and i'm like honestly mm, i disagree it's just it's not great and then also physically they look crazy together because he's like seven feet tall and she's like five two and it looks like comparatively she's like a toddler standing next to him and it's just they just weren't all great choices unfortunately um and then we were gonna watch the kissing booth too and that shit is two hours and 12 minutes i'm sorry for what purpose what else needs to be said for two hours I don't know what it is like I guess when I was younger I always thought that movies were like super long now that I'm older and I understand like the concept of time I realize movies really didn't used to be that long like the journey of movies are like an hour and a half hour 45 and I think I've also just come to realize that there are very few reasons to make a movie that long and the kissing booth too I still haven't watched it because I just can't bring myself to make that kind of investment. Like in my mind, any movie that's over two hours, I always kind of like associate with like award level, like Oscar nominees, like some sort of like you have things to say, you have points to make, there are lessons to be learned based off of some kind of daunting true story. And The Kissing Booth too, in my mind, is not it, Chief. I feel as though they have some type of gall making that decision. But all of that aside, I do love Joey King and I am very proud of her and very happy for the success that she is having right now. Now that that BS is taken care of, let's get into the topic of today's discussion is the film No Good Deed. The movie No Good Deed came out in 2014 when it first came out when it first came out i wanted to see it so bad i'm obsessed with psycho thrillers they're my favorite invention anything that makes you feel kind of crazy is like what i live for and so when this came out especially with idris elba um yes please when this first came out i wanted to see it so bad and then my mother decided to watch it by herself without me and I felt very disrespected and then I ended up watching it by myself like three times after that because like why not you know yeah I don't know I guess like I've I keep trying to like switch up genres and do different kinds and I feel like the ones I've uploaded more recently have been more like lighthearted and stuff so I wanted to do something a little creepier so yeah and this is pretty much a go-to of mine along with Gone with Amanda Seyfried that movie I've seen I saw it in the theaters I saw it after I came out of theaters it was on Hulu recently And I watched it like four times in one week because it's just that good. Mm, Maybe that will come 
at a later date. Anyway, yeah, No Good Deed, I'm like gonna go crazy. No Good Deed came out in 2014. How many times can I say that? First of all, some of the people who submit IMDb plot summaries need to be checked. That's all I'm gonna say on the matter. So, the one that I'm gonna go with says, an unstable escaped convict terrorizes a woman who is alone with her two children. So, the escaped convict is Idris Elba. The poor woman at home with her kids is played by Taraji P. Henson. She has done so many great things. She will continue to do great things. So, we open on Idris Elba in his little convict van and they're driving to his parole hearing. While they're driving to his parole hearing, there's like a news coverage playing over and they explain to us that Colin Evans, played by Idris Elba, is currently in prison for voluntary manslaughter. However, he is also suspected to be linked with the disappearance and suspected no what's the freaking word they're presumed okay he is thought of to be connected to the disappearance and presumed murder of five girls i guess they none of them have been found all of them are presumed dead but i don't think we know for sure so basically everybody thinks that he killed all these girls but nobody could prove it so when they went to trial all they tried him for was voluntary manslaughter because he beat up somebody in a bar and so he got 10 to 15 years and he has served five up to this point so now he's up for parole they're driving to his hearing and the bus driver is like, hey man, I hope you get out. I hope you go pay your debt to society. Excuse you. First of all, that's not really your choice to make. Second of all, and I'm like, he really didn't pay his debt to society because he was sentenced to 10 to 15 years. And he's only served five. And oh, see, it's so difficult because in real life, somebody who doesn't suck as bad as Colin as a person could have rehabilitated in that period of time if things happened the way that he claims they did, which is he basically just like got super angry and made a mistake, but he's just not like a good person. So he specifically shouldn't get paroled anyway um they're at the parole hearing he gets up and he gives his little speech about how he is a great person he teaches other inmates how to do things he teaches them how to read and write he is a productive member of society behind bars and he is trying to spread his program to other places behind bars and i'm like dude are you really trying to say that no other prison system has any kind of like curriculum where they like teach people how to read and write like are you acting like you invented teaching prisoners how to do things but we do find out that he's like an extreme 
narcissist. So that does make sense. And I mean, obviously, I'm not a parole board member. I've never been to a parole meeting. But from having watched Shawshank Redemption, I feel as though you going in there and trying to tell the parole board members, hey, I've changed and I'm better, doesn't really bode well. Like, I don't think that that's actually what they want to hear because it sounds too much like what you think they want to hear. But that's what he does because he's trying so hard to woo these people and be like, no, like, I'm actually fully rehabilitated. I have corrected myself. I have changed myself. And I've learned from my mistakes. And this guy, I find out later, is called Dr. Ross, shoots him down so hard. He's like, actually, I did my research on you, sir, and you're a, quote, malignant narcissist, which means you just hate when you don't get your way like a literal toddler and the reason you killed this guy at the bar is because he was flirting with your girlfriend and you got pissy like a toddler and you can see colin physically steaming at these like negative reviews from dr ross and it's so funny because i mean no it's really not funny because he's not a good person but it's funny for me because everything about narcissists is that they have to be right. Everything has to be according to them. They are obsessed with themselves. And just to sit there and watch him get shit on is so satisfying. And then he has like a little outburst where he's like, oh, stop, that's not. And, and they're like, dude, mm, you kind of outed yourself. Like, you let your own cat out of its bag. So basically, in Tennessee, where they are right now, to get paroled, the vote has to be unanimous. And obviously, Dr. Ross is a hard no. So they're like, mm, sorry, guy, we'll see you again in five years and try it. Um, so, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, Dr. Ross is like, absolutely no. I'm not interested. He basically roasted Colin alive like he served up a fresh plate of fuck Colin and then I guess like the head of the board was like eek sorry um we'll see you in five years so he didn't get what he wanted and the little van driver is super upset and the guard who's sitting in the back with Colin is like well, sucks to suck, doesn't it? So they're driving back and he pretends to have a nosebleed. He's like playing the freaking violin for himself so hard because he made his own nose start bleeding or something's bleed. Blood came from somewhere. And he's like, seriously, guy, like you're not even going to give me a bit. Like, can you help me out a little bit? And I'm like, he doesn't really want to. But I guess that is like technically his job. So... The guard goes over and tries to give him, like, a band-aid or, like, a tissue or something. But then Colin headbutts him and steals his gun. 
and is holding him with a gun against his head and then the van driver is like oh man i thought you were cool but he was wrong the whole time unfortunately he's like hey if you just put your weapon down y'all can skippity do out of here and i'll just go my separate way because it's not like you'll be coming after me to take me back into custody as a prisoner that is also going to generate new charges so then the van driver is like okay cool like yeah we both should survive so then he puts his gun down and colin's like fuck both of you shoots them both in the head and they're gone after we kind of sum up his origin story we flash on over to terry played by taraji p henson and she is in her house and she's just trying to take care of her kids her house is being remodeled right now her husband is a trash bag he mm, i'll deal with him later she is just trying she has a newborn that might be a stretch she has a baby who was born recently she has an older kid she's just trying to do her life you know she is a full like work a full stay-at-home mom is the phrase so that's what she does and especially now that like the house is being run oh my god yeah now that the the house is being renovated she has to like oversee all of that stuff and it's so dramatic okay this guy javier who's like the head of the renovations like the foreman i guess you would say comes in and he goes a storm's coming and i'm like dude it's not really like writing department is that where we had to go with that but he has to let you know the family know in the most dramatic way possible a storm's coming and we should all take shelter so they clean up their shit they go home for the day her bff meg stops by i think she like lives nearby so she's like on her daily jog and she stops by and is trying to hang out terry mentions that jeffrey her husband is going away because it's his dad's birthday so they're going golfing so meg is like oh well why don't we have like a girls night i'll totally come back over and we'll hang out and have so much fun and drink wine and meg sends a lot of digs towards jeffrey and says repeatedly that he doesn't deserve terry and i'm like yeah you're right but terry is the classic like stop he's my husband he's cool i'm like i'm just taking care of my kids like i'm a housewife so i guess like she thinks that she deserves her husband being mean to her and like not giving her attention ever excuse him because did she not just provide you with two human beings out of her body um so yeah i do think that he should be a lot nicer to her um so he comes home from work 
and is sitting on his phone the whole time. Terry goes up to give him a hug and he literally pushes her away and says, ew, because she has like a baby spit up. And I'm like, excuse the fuck out of you. She sits at home 24-7 taking care of your children while you go off and act like you're not married. And you have the audacity to push her away. Oh, something that also needs to be addressed. Their house. We find out that he's a lawyer. She is also a lawyer, but like not working right now, obviously, because she's a stay-at-home mom. And their house looks like a spa retreat. Like it looks like a 10-star hotel. Like the grand staircase. Their kitchen is honestly the size of like the first floor of my house. But I mean like they have good careers, I guess. It's just it's so absurd to me. I don't know like me being an adult and like having finances and shit. How do people sustain these lives? The these lifestyles but they do. So, so then they're still talking about this stupid golf retreat that he's going on with his dad for his birthday. And she is trying to be nice to him once again. And he's like knocking her for being concerned. And like, especially because a storm's coming, we all found out. And apparently where he's going to play golf is two hours away. She's like, do you really need to like make that drive and he says yeah because he's a man and he'll be cool and he can take care of himself and i'm like congrats you idiot he if i were forced to compare him to something just so you can kind of get a more well-rounded idea of what we're talking about i would equate him to that of like a dented rim on your tire because from the outside it looks acceptable like you don't necessarily know that there's anything wrong with it he wears his fancy clothes because he's a lawyer he he dresses business but then as time goes on your tire starts losing air and you realize like oh no, we don't like this. Oh, no, that needs to be fixed. So that's where I have him on my ladder of society. After that, we find Colin has a vehicle. He stole a car. He stole somebody's clothes and is stalking his ex in Georgia. So he started in Tennessee. That's where he was supposed to be getting paroled and he got himself to Georgia I don't actually know how far away those are from each other so I'm googling it oh okay they like border each other so I guess it just depends on what area of each state um but yeah so he starts in Tennessee he's in Georgia he's stalking his ex and it's like not a good look she's talking to this guy he gets super pissy about it because he's like oh my god well why didn't you wait for me and she's like you literally got sense 
to be in prison for 10 to 15 years. I was just supposed to twiddle my damn thumbs for 10 to 15 years. Girl could die in that time span. But no, he doesn't actually confront her at this point. So he's just lurking from afar. She gets home and he blitzes her, not physically. He mentally blitzes her and is like, um, hey, remember me? And she has to like pretend that she likes him still because she doesn't want him to hurt her. And she knows how fragile his ego is. And so she's trying to play it in, play into it. Like, oh my God, no, I do totally still love you. And I just didn't know what to say to all of your hundreds of letters that you've sent me over the past five years. Like, dude, take a hint. Maybe you're just not that cool or interesting to talk to. Five years. She never once responded. Maybe you're the problem, Colin. But he's not capable of thinking that way. So then, um, things get physical. And he brings up that he found a receipt to, like, flowers somebody had sent her to, like, that and the note that said like I didn't want to wake you because you look so beautiful when you sleep so then he's like um obviously you're lying because you're doing stuff with other people so then things get physical they end up upstairs she was trying to run away she was wearing like five inch heels so unfortunately she was not successful and then he starts throwing a tantrum and is like, oh my god, did you have sex with people in our bed? Obviously, that is where she has lived for the past five years without you. She was probably hoping to never see you again. You were supposed to be in jail for an additional ten years from this day. So, um, yeah, she moved on, buddy boy. And at first, she's like trying to not piss him off but then she's like dude if you're gonna act crazy then same so she's like you know what yeah i do have an active life what's it to you so he like loses his mind and physically beats her to death and it's like not pretty this movie is rated pg-13 i don't think that i mentioned that in the beginning I don't necessarily think it should be because I would say that things get kind of graphic, like him beating her to death. But I mean, it's not my job to rate these things. And so during the struggle, her cell phone falls out of her pocket and lands under the bed. And that foreshadows that we will see it again. So, cut two. Terry is back at her house. She, I think the little baby is sleeping upstairs. She's trying to cook dinner for her daughter. And we see that Colin wrecks his car. He drives straight into a tree trunk and makes it out with literally like a paper cut on his forehead still able to walk in everything he 
he basically accordions this car in half, but he's fine. So he hikes up the old bootstraps and is walking around town and the first house he stumbles upon is Terry's. So it's like downpouring. He goes up to her house to try and ask for help. She gives him the phone. He's like trying super hard to make her think that he's okay. He's like, oh my God, like I'll stand out here the whole time. Just give me your phone. I won't even come in your house and whatever. And so she's like, all right, dude, like I got it. Just call your freaking tow truck. And she says that her husband is coming home, which we know is not true. But in her self-preservation, she's trying to make sure that he knows that she's not going to be alone forever. And like, if he has any ill intentions, that it's going to be tampered with, I guess, because somebody is going to come home and find out. So then he calls the tow truck and he pretends there's no tow truck, obviously. And says he's just going to sit on the patio and wait for it. And her being the loving woman that she is, she's too caring for other people. And she's a mom. She has that sympathy. She's like, dude, I don't want you to have to sit out here in the pouring rain. You have a cut on your forehead, which was blown vastly out of proportion. If you're going to have an entire plot line not a whole plot line, but like an entire blip in the script centered around this cut. Like make it a fucking cut. Gash it open. Give him some blood. It's, they, they make it extra. They do too much. Um, but so they like dab it with a napkin a couple of times and then he's healed and she invites him inside. She puts his clothes in the dryer because she's trying to be nice to him and it's so difficult because, like, just don't be nice. Be nice to people, but you do not have to go that far out of your way. You have two young children in the house with you by yourself. You know that your husband's not coming home. Put yourself first, girlfriend, and say, hey, have fun waiting for your tow truck out here. Next time, don't drive into a tree, which obviously she can't blame on him. Oh my God. Am I an idiot? Did he? No. Was the car he was driving? I just thought for a second, like, oh, the car he was driving was probably his prison escort van, but that would actually be really stupid of him to do that because they could very easily track it. So... I'm going to take that back. Um, So she's being very hospitable and is trying to make sure that he doesn't just die on her patio. And he, see, and also like, I don't know. Okay. He uses his real name when she's talking, when he's talking to her, which I thought was very bold because it sounded as if his legal issues were widely known like the way the news reports on it it makes it sound like his 
crimes were a huge news story. So, and they're both lawyers. I feel like it would not be crazy to think that she might have heard about him before this. And then she says that when she was working as a lawyer, she was a prosecutor in the DA's office, specifically against men who used to domestically abuse their people, like partners or family, whatever. And it's actually so funny because he's trying to get, like, info. Like, oh, like, that's what you used to do. Like, how'd you catch people? And, oh, like, that must have been really interesting. And she's like, actually, no, because people who do that are usually stupid and they're not clever and they make a lot of mistakes. And I'm like, girl, you are adding him so hard and she doesn't even know it. And you can see his blood boiling because he cannot stand to be disrespected in that way. So during all of that, she is saved because her car alarm starts going off. Something's like broken. Car alarms go off during storms, which I've never understood in my entire life. But I guess that's a thing. And then like hers is broken. So she's trying to turn it off and it's not happening. And then he's like, oh, I'll help you because I'm a cool person. And so then they both go out to the car and try to fix it. And the only reason I'm even mentioning this is because it comes back later. So they fix the thing and then Meg shows up because they were supposed to have girls night. Oh no. Okay. So, um, so they stop the alarm and then they go back inside and she's like, Hey, um, just so you know, I actually lied about my husband coming home and he's like actually not coming home tonight. And, He's like, oh, really? Like, he sounds, like, disappointed by that. I'm like, huh, that's a peculiar way to respond. So, then Meg shows up because they're supposed to have their girls' night. And Terry is trying to explain this. But as we've seen in movies time and time again, no matter how much you try to explain a very unfortunate looking situation sometimes it just can't happen so she's explaining that like he crashed his car and meg's like she's like whatever i don't even care where he came from he's super hot let's pump him up with wine and see where the night will take us she's like terry you're married not me let's go and he tells them that he lives on a street nearby and Meg is a realtor and she's like oh my god I actually know every single person who lives on that street that's so crazy so where do you live because I don't know you and then because of the storm a tree branch like breaks in through the kitchen window so then Colin's like for you and wipes the sweat off his brow one last time because then he got out of the blah 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 he got out of having to answer that impossible question but meg is like super bold like she is loud and proud of who she is and honestly good for you but 
it's super awkward because you're like hardcore coming on to him in Terry's house and he's just like sitting there he chugs like two full glasses of wine and is like barely answering any questions and is just being really weird and he he has like a stone face the entire time and Meg asks them if like Terry and Colin knew each other before this night and Colin says yes but Terry says no and I'm like I don't I don't really get the game that you're trying to play here buddy because it's I don't think it's like working out for you but then Terry has to like run upstairs I think and he decides to go have a smoke out in the garage and Meg decides to go join him and while they're out there she's trying to like collect all this info out of him and he's giving her all fake answers obviously well i mean not necessarily she asks all these questions but he just doesn't say anything so she's like are you guys like doing stuff and he just kind of like makes a face but he's silent and so she's like oh my god are you serious and he's like "Mm?" and then he's like yeah like she didn't want you to find out this way and she was embarrassed to tell you and i came over here because i knew jeffrey wasn't going to be here and she's pretending to buy it for a second but then she's like actually just kidding because you're stupid and she's my best friend and she wouldn't hide that from me so i actually know that you're full of crap and i can't wait to expose it and like he's a physically large person so as i believe Meg has all the right in the world to express her issues and to tell him off and be like, fuck you, because he is 100% in the wrong. If you are alone with just like you and your best friend and two children, like, don't poke the bear right this second. Like, just hold out for a little bit. And then when you guys win and he's on trial for some new ass charges then you can roll up to the witness stand and be like fuck you have your day but girl's bold so she told him to his face right then and there and she starts to walk back inside and she's like trying to gather terry and be like uh girl we got some issues he picks up a shovel and kills her and then just walks back into terry's house and waits for her so then when terry comes back she's like oh my god where's meg and he's like oh she just left actually it was like so crazy so then terry's like oh okay that's kind of odd but then she realizes that he's lying because her umbrella is still by the front door so then terry was like oh um was she like upset when she left maybe i should like try to talk to her so then she pretends that she's gonna go call meg 
and she knows that like something's wrong so then she's actually trying to call for help but the phone lines are cut and then she tries to get any of her knives and they're all missing and I would like to know when he had the time to do all of this but phone lines are cut knives are all missing her power ends up going out but then it comes back like five seconds later so I don't know if that's a storm or if he's just being stupid but either way he's showing his true colors so Terry knows that like obviously things aren't great she goes up to check on her kids of course checks the little baby he's fine sleeping away and she goes to check in on her daughter Ryan and Colin's in there like tossing her around trying to have a good old time and she's like dude this is like super not cool so please leave and like we'll just we'll call it call it a day we're good so she puts Ryan back to bed and as they're leaving she picks up a fire extinguisher and tries to like she sprays him and then beats him over the head and he falls down the stairs. So then she tries to like gather her children. But then literally two seconds later, Colin's like standing behind her like, mm, you thought. So it's, it's just so frustrating. So then after that, he pulls out the gun and he's like, listen, I'm not going to be as cool as I used to be. So let's get things going. He's, like, super pissy because he has, like, fire extinguisher ash on him. So, he makes them both go shower together, which was honestly really dramatic. Then, after that, I'm like, it's it's literally downpouring. Just walk outside. But it's the psychological part because he's crazy. I know. Anyway, they finish up their shower and he tells her to go change her clothes. And she's trying to be discreet. Because in that kind of situation, like, she has no idea what, what his motives are. She has no idea why he's there, what the plan is. He could be there to have his whole way with her. We don't know. So she's trying to, like, I like stay as far away as possible. Like, not give him any type of idea that she's interested. And, like, hide herself. And he obviously tells her not to he's like no uh like come back over here do it here and she tells him not to do what most of us are thinking he's going to do and his response is don't flatter yourself who in the hell do you think you are that is so disrespectful listen everybody's relieved that those are not his intentions everyone you have a sigh of relief thank god that's not what he's planning on doing but you were making all these comments about how beautiful she was earlier you force her into a shower with you you tell her to change right in front of you and then you put her down even farther and like she obviously already has her own issues like especially with her marriage and stuff you decide to knock her down even more and like that really is just fucked up like you just don't have to say those things like just don't say it at all or better yet don't commit crimes and then none of us would be here 
Um, so she's like, honestly, fuck you. And he's like, what? She's like, you heard me. I said, fuck you. And I'm like, yes, girl, tell him, do not take prisoners. If he's going to be a dick, then you be a bigger dick. So she is trying with everything inside of her, everything inside of this house to knock him out to finish off the job, grab her kids, and go. But he just fucking regenerates every time. He's basically a freaking robot who's like, mm, sorry, you're not done with me yet. And like in that, yeah, I understand in that moment, your first instinct is neutralize the threat and flee. But you know that he has a gun you know that he has survived your attempts already. Like, finish the freaking job. If he's on the ground and you have something to just keep hitting, like, you have to do what you have to do. So she hits him, he falls down, he gets back up, and she stabs him, and then he falls down, and she's trying to get her kids. Like, she literally is just trying to pack up her kids and drive away into the freaking sunset. Leave Jeffrey behind. I think everyone's better off that way. But then Colin's like, joke's on you because I was actually prepared for this the whole time. He's like, get your kids and let's go. She packs up her children. They start to make their way out. She sees Meg's body in the garage. And this is kind of like her first insight into what exactly she's dealing with because she didn't know ex exactly how crazy he was or how shitty he could be but she knows that he killed meg at this point so things really just aren't going okay so they're driving away and she drives past the wreckage scene from his car accident and he's like don't even think about it like dude calm down her kids are in the car like she cares more about them than you at this point like you're he's such a brat i can't stand him but then as they're still driving down the road there's a cop coming from the opposite direction and she notices that colin stops looking up for a second he closes his eyes he's in like pain or whatever because she stabbed him and i'm like you brought it upon yourself like don't act like a baby now so he's not paying attention so she flashes her high beams at this cop to like try and get his attention and i'm like yes girl be creative keep trying you know come up with solutions you have to do what you have to do so the cop catches on flips around pulls her over and Colin picks up the little baby out of the car seat and is like, mm, this is your motivation to be good still. Because if you say anything bad or if you fuck this up, then like I literally have your baby boy in my hands. So obviously she's like, dude, I'm trying, you know, like she's doing her freaking best. And he lets it slip. He goes, I hope that my APB didn't cross state lines. And that's her first insight into like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? What APB? What did you do? Who's looking for you and why? And now she's really like, oh my 
God, what am I in the middle of? Like, what have I gotten myself into? So the cop comes up, asks for her documentation. Ryan, the daughter, is in the back seat saying, like, where's dad? I want to go home. And the cop is, like, questioning because they look like a full family right there. So he's like, well, where is her dad? And he starts to catch on that things aren't cool. So he pulls Terry out of the car and brings her back. But Colin rolls the window down, so he's listening to everything. And the cop's like, hey, could you... uh?" explain yourself like where is your kid's dad who's that guy and i'm like guy she flagged you down her daughter is asking for help essentially she is very obviously distressed she continues throughout this entire conversation with the cop continues to look back at the car because she knows that Colin's in there alone with her kids. And he's like, why do you keep looking back there? Who's that guy? And so she's trying so hard to make it sound okay. And she's like, oh, well, like, things aren't great with my husband. And so then he starts, like, condemning her. Like, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't do that in front of your kids. I'm like, dude, sharpen up your skills. It, it's red flag freaking city. It is a red flag sale. They're all over the freaking place just pick one pick any of them and he asks another question or no i think he like asks why she keeps looking at the car and she's like oh, i can't really say it right now and he's like oh okay and he finally freaking wisens up i'm like dude go back to the academy go back to school somewhere but colin's pissed because he's eavesdropping on the conversation so he just pops on out and shoots the cop and then he goes, Terry, this is actually your fault. So good job. I'm like, dude, like I, I can't. In his mind, he legitimately thinks that everything he's doing is justifiable. And it is fascinating. So he dumps the cop's body down this hill and makes Terry keep driving and they end up at his ex's house where her dead body currently is still so Terry goes and puts her kids in a bedroom and basically says like stay here I hope we'll all end up okay because genuinely nobody knows but he's still currently bleeding because she stabbed him a bunch of times so he's like hey let's head on upstairs and look for a first aid kit so then you can bandage me up and then honestly who knows what the plan is so she goes into this bathroom she is taken very by surprise when she sees this body it's um it takes her a little while to to collect herself as i hope it would take any person a while to collect yourself after seeing a dead body um but then her car alarm starts going off again see i told you i brought it up for a reason so her car alarm's going off and colin's freaking out because he's like if we don't shut it up soon enough somebody's going to pay attention and somebody's going to want to know why it's still going off so 
he ties her up with gauze or felt i don't know he ties her up with something that is evidently painful because she complains about it but like i would also complain about it too i'm on terry's side throughout this whole thing i need to make sure that that's clearly stated so he ties her up she's laying on the floor and he runs outside to try and fix her car alexis's cell phone starts ringing from under the bed i told you that was important so she's like um fuck yes she there's a broken glass probably left over from the lamp that he used to beat alexis to death and she cuts off her bandages and answers the phone and she answers the phone and it's stupid jeffrey like alexis where are you i've been at the hotel forever and i'm waiting for you and she's like are you fucking kidding me and he's like wait terry and then she's like call the cops you bag of fleas you're so stupid and i hate you forever not a direct quote so she's fuming not only has her whole night gotten fucked up not only did she lose her best friend in the midst of trying to save her two small children but then she finds out it's because her stupid husband can't keep his freaking pants up so she's coming back with a vengeance she goes into the room where the kids are and she like throws a little like rapunzel sheet rope out the window and pretends that they ran away so when he when colin comes back he's like oh no they ran away but she's like "Mm, jokes on you loser i was lying so he leaves to try and like chase her down a street so then she like collects her and her kids again and she's trying to she goes downstairs i don't know necessarily if she's trying to leave or if she's just trying to like hide more permanently but so she puts her kids in a closet and because she realizes that he's coming back and then she goes and takes a knife and is hiding upstairs to wait for him to come back so she can fight him to the death she's like i really just can't at this point like i dare you to come fight me so she's hiding upstairs and she realizes that he's like headed down the hall to where her kids are so she lures him upstairs because her kids are first and foremost because she is a caring mother and they fight some more she stabs him a whole bunch of times and he is like tossing her around and his gun gets knocked away at some point and she ends up while he's tossing her around like the dickhole he is she ends up on the floor next to his gun and i'm like huh jokes on you buddy because you just killed yourself so she starts shooting at him and terminator's still fucking going he is like shot after shot like oh this actually only makes me stronger but then something i also take issue with is they obviously use like those little vests for the sake of filming that like explode under his shirt that create the like blood and effect of him being shot and 
I it's just not hidden well. So that is unfortunate, but whatever. It still gets the job done. So she is like, I am honestly trying so hard. Like, what else do I have to do to get rid of you forever? So she empties the freaking clip into this guy's body and then also throws him out the second story window. And then he just like lands on the ground. And she told Jeffrey to call the cops. But his like two IQ points were still trying to figure out what was happening because why would she have Alexis's phone? And so she gets her kids. This is all she wants at this point. Like she just wants to cuddle up with her kids. Girlfriend deserves a good night's sleep. Send her to a spa. Send her back to that fanciest house by herself. Get a bath. The things that she has been put through in the last, I don't even know how long. The, the movie is an hour and 22 minutes, which is not very much. So she goes downstairs. The cops are all there, obviously. Jeffrey shows up and he just looks like a child who is in like elementary school, but is just physically large. His clothes don't make sense. He looks like an idiot. And he's like acting like he's coming to her rescue. He's like, no, man, that's my wife. Let me in. And she's like, I'm good without you. I don't actually want you in here. And he has the freaking balls to try and say, oh, I'm sorry. It didn't mean anything. Dude, she has blood all over her face and clothes. She has been put through the freaking ringer because you wanted to have sex with other people. And the fact that you're sitting here trying to what? Win her back? I am continuously shocked by men and the audacity that they seem to have. Like, I wish that any young female was raised to have that kind of self-esteem because we would legitimately run this fucking world where he thinks like this entire movie is because of his infidelity his entire family could have been murdered because he decided to have an affair and he's sorry you should be you should be sorry oh my god you're not special for saying you're sorry i hate him and she has had enough so then she hits him i thought she slapped him but the imdb synopsis says that she punches him she should have done both girlfriend live your life get your vengeance because he deserves it so after that we cut to her new life terry has had a fresh blowout in her hair she is looking fresh as a freaking daisy. She is dressed for success. She is ready to kill the professional field. She has this new house. It is like a five-story colonial. Honestly, looks like it could be a museum. I don't know exactly where. I'm guessing Georgia because that's where they were before. But she has a brand new house. She has her children there's a nanny who's helping her out because she is back in the workforce and she's trying her hardest and 
the nanny goes, oh, like, I was going to go take the kids up to the park. And she goes, oh, my God, I will walk with you as I walk over to the courthouse to put some fuckers away. Not a direct quote. And then that's it. And these are really, like, the things that we need to be seeing. She was so badass, front to back, and she learned to put herself first. Like, in the beginning, Jeffrey, when he first comes to the house, basically says, like, well, you wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. She's like, yeah, I guess that's what I wanted. But, like, for you to basically treat her like a maid while she sits at home all day, every day, taking care of your kids, and then you don't even want to touch her because she has a baby on her, that's not what she wanted. So don't get it twisted. And so now she can live the life that she wanted and hopefully Jeffrey's far away. He should have no type of custody because he put their entire lives in danger and I would be in court day after day to fight for Terry's rights. These are the stories we need to hear. We need inspiration for young ladies and especially young ladies of color. Like, she is so powerful. She gives a big old fuck you to everyone who wrongs her. And she still comes out a-okay, not a-okay, obviously she's gonna have some things to deal with, but like, she comes out stronger than ever. She has her kids. She has her life back. God bless Terry and Taraji P. Henson for bringing her story to life. Something that I personally would like to address is the fact that I'm not saying this should have been nominated for any type of award. I'm not saying that it's Oscar worthy, but critics have kind of slept on No Good Deed, in my opinion. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 12%, and I think that's actually really disrespectful. And it's it's too defamatory. It's too much. They deserve better, but who am I to say? That's why I don't work for them. And that's why I just decide to sit here and spew my nonsense onto the internet. Yeah, it's like right up about 3 a.m. So I'm going to cut this. I don't think there's anything else to say. I mean, thanks for tuning in. Let other people know, I guess. I don't want to be that person but it does make me feel cool to see like the analytics and to see the the track of how many people they think are listening and how many plays each individual episode has so it's this is something that I think is fun and if there are other people out there who benefit that's quite a statement that's too broad if there are people who enjoy listening as much as i enjoy recording then i think that's like kind of cool and okay the moral of the story is i don't want to sit here and self-promote and like self-flagellate i don't i looked that up one time i don't remember what it means i don't want to like sit here and stroke my own back but yeah, if you're, if you like this, tell other people about it is basically the moral of the story. I have fun doing this. 
if you'd like to listen to it, make other people listen to it so that I have reason to continue to do this. Thanks so much. And um, yeah, I'm on social media, Instagram, Twitter. I don't really use it that much, to be honest. I don't even use my own personal social media accounts, TBH. But I do say all the time, I wish I were different. So maybe I'll change myself a little bit. And apparently iTunes like runs everything, which is so stupid. But if you have access to like Apple products, apparently it looks a lot better if it's rated on there versus other platforms. So if you feel so inclined, then go ahead. Okay, I'm done. And I will see y'all next time. I still, I'm not going to say like I struggle because I don't necessarily struggle with, but I'm always open to suggestions. Why the fuck is this episode so long? I'm always open to suggestions of what to talk about next. So if you have any, send them my way. I'm leaving. Bye. (laughs) Bye.